Is there a way to transition into tech without abandoning your values? And if so, how does your non-tech background still make you a sought-after candidate? Whether you're a teacher who's passionate about building new software for improving reading skills, or a psychologist who wants to build an app connecting patients with therapists, tech has opportunities for everyone. When you're looking for a way to build a meaningful career, it's about transitioning your skills, not replacing them. We decided to talk to someone who did just that. Hi, my name is Will Newsom, and you're listening to Tech Start. In this show, we explore the realities of changing careers and getting into tech. Our guest today is a Tripleton graduate, Jake McKembley, and he managed to break into tech without getting too far away from the two things he loves most, living in the mountains and helping people find their peace. Yeah, my past career has really nothing to do with software engineering. It was kind of a late pivot right after the pandemic. I studied psychology in in university in the United States. And when I finished up school, I went to work out in Utah for a company that practiced wilderness therapy. So I was working alongside therapists who would come out to the woods uh, once a week and enact therapy for kids who were dealing with things that traditional therapy might have left them behind for. So, you know, people who were sent there by their parents because they just needed some like extra special container to be to be helped in. So that meant that we were hiking, we were creating fire with sticks, we were setting up tarps in the woods, we were geez, shoveling out snow to make a place to dig a fire pit. Like it was, we were just kind of like living outdoors and that ended up being a great therapeutic realm for a lot of people. And that was like a really fulfilling thing for me, a really fulfilling career, but it was definitely like not a long-term career for me. And that was, I guess, like one container that I worked in in a therapeutic realm. And then there's another one I worked at a, in a therapeutic ranch in Vermont more recently. And that was for about four months, but very similar. You know, rather than like surviving in the woods, we're doing ranch work. So we're herding cattle, we're, uh, you know, tending to a garden, we're chopping down wood and processing it for a fire and all the while meeting with therapists, doing therapeutic groups and stuff like that. What attracted you to that uh, line of work, I guess, therapy, the therapy niche? Maybe like disenchantment with what I thought a regular career would be when I was growing up and when I was in college. Like, I didn't want to work in, it's funny to say now, but like, I didn't want to work in an office and just do something that felt like, you know, a capital J job. Like, I wanted to like work with people and really get down to the roots of what it meant to be like a human being. And that felt, it still does, like feels like really important to me. Just really getting to know people and really helping them work on things that um, go way, way back in their life. For sure, personally, I had some, I have my own history of mental health as well. And so I wanted to, you know, I, I got a lot of help growing up and I'm like very, I, I have the resources to get that help when I'm younger and a lot of people don't. And so it was like, how can I split this and turn on and help people or from an academic sense in school go and put what I learned to good use, helping people in the woods or helping people on a ranch. How did the quarantine um, affect your life while being a, a therapist? Not like not licensed, but you know. Yeah, I feel like we all we all had our own mental health journey through the pandemic for sure, for one reason or another, like at the bare minimum of for just like locked in our house. We probably need to yeah. see a therapist for sure. Um, so <laughs> I actually, I wasn't working in the therapy or like the mental health realm at that point of the pandemic. I was working for company. It's called the Appalachian Mountain Club. It's a conservation organization up here in New Hampshire. And they do a number of different things up here in the mountains and across the Northeast. But one place I was working at, they're called the High Mountain Huts. And it's a series of huts that dot the White Mountains, um, like high elevation places where in the summertime, you can hike up to those huts. And there's a crew of people who hike up supplies to those huts and they'll cook you a meal. Um, You can stay in a bed there. When you wake up the next morning, they'll cook you breakfast. Anywhere from like 36 people stay in a hut one night to like 100 people at the bigger huts. I've been working at these since 2017, kind of on and off, uh, like 
that ranch that I worked on, the therapeutic ranch, took place one winter in between different seasons in the huts. Uh, but in 2020, I was working as a caretaker in the huts. And during the caretaking season, there's just one person working in the huts and people can come and stay, but like no one's cooking you meals. Uh, it's like very much like a skeleton crew, smaller operation. It's very cold up here. There's like six feet of snow outside, gets down to like zero degrees at night. And so people come in just like looking for shelter out of the woods. And when the pandemic reared its ugly head, we locked all the doors. We said, nobody's staying any nights. If anybody touches surfaces here, we're all going to spread the virus. Like, we didn't really know how the virus worked. So in 2020, we locked everything down. Instead of, like, working very closely with people to, like, cook meals and keep them warm and get to know people traveling all over the world, it was like, now I live in this cabin that is locked to the outdoors (laughs) for, like, two months on end. Which, from a pandemic sense, was great. But from, like, a I can do this for the rest of my life, this is great for my mental health sucked it was like pretty hard to do <laughs> so it was yeah. i was like like i said it was like i was safe it was really good count my lucky stars for that every single day but certainly it was i was kind of bouncing back and forth between like seasonal therapy work and seasonal hospitality work and at that point once that all shut down it seemed like this is not meant for me long term like this i think there's there's a timeline and this is not the most sustainable career and so that's when i really pivoted did you have like any coding experience like previous to like triple ten a little bit like you know i've done i think it's like code academy yeah like some of those like learn how okay. to code kind of free here's a free tutorial had watched some like youtube videos but i feel like my coding experience had never gone beyond like loops or if statements it was always like got me up into the point where i could like understand the syntax of language but i didn't know what to do with it like no i never made a web page i never made an app or anything like that but you know i took because i'm selling myself short i did take a a coding class in high school where we we learned how to build some small little applets with Ruby, but that was so far back that I don't remember anything about that. So I would say like, yeah, I have like some coding experience, but more just like a knack for tinkering and figuring things out. And I spent a lot of time on the computer. And so like, it felt like a very natural place to be. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, you, why study programming? I mean, you seem to be like very good at like interpersonal communication. And like, when you look at like the typical, I guess maybe my, it may be stereotypical, stereotypical software engineer, they're not good at like the soft skills. Totally. Yeah. I do feel lucky that I like had that history working in a place where like, we learn how to talk to people. We learn how to have hard conversations to then bring those skills to the software world has been really nice. I guess, yeah, why would I pivot from something where I can like be boots on the ground, having great conversations with people to a place where I'm stuck behind a screen all day? Gosh, I ask myself that every day. No, just, <laughs> it's a great job. I love it. And, you know, I work, I work in a really small team. So like I get to still have those conversations. I think it's a, it's like a, a misnomer that coding is like such a, you know, we work with ones and zeros. It's a very binary objective job. Like there are a lot of soft skills that go into the day to day work. There's a lot of meeting with people and figuring out problems and, working with humans, whether it's interviewing customers to figure out what they actually want in an app, whether it's talking with your team, figuring out what they need in a piece of work, or whether it's like working with a teammate to like talk each other down from some stressful situation that we just went through as a company. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of these soft skills that come in hand in hand. And so it's, I really like the, I do like the binary aspect of the work. Like when someone needs something to work, it's, it's nice to build a button that when you click it, it does it. It's like very clear objectives. That's nice. It's peaceful. It doesn't really feel like a stressful thing to take on, but I still do get that, the opportunities to like hone those self, those soft skills and practice talking to people. Do you wish um, you would have broken the tech sooner than, than you did? I don't think so. I think, um, I think a lot of like, another thing that I took from the pandemic was like when I was standing outside that hut thinking like, what am I going to do? And it wasn't necessarily like, this is so bad. I need to figure out something that works. It was, it was really nice. It was like, I've gotten what I need from this line of work. I think I'm ready to move on to something else. It was, it was a really nice closure. And 
yeah, it wasn't with like tail between my legs that I went moving to another career. It was sort of like head held high. This feels nice. like it's time to move on. And, you know, I had these like bucket of skills that I can take and bucket of experiences that I can go talk to, to people and share with. And you know, I still have a community up here of just wonderful people who worked in the same line of work that I still spend time with every single day. I still live like at the foot of some mountains and I can still hike. And so it's, it doesn't necessarily like, certainly it's career pivot, but as far as like lifestyle yeah. goes, it feels like just kind of adding and adding and adding. You, you still get the best of both worlds. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a lucky guy, I think. Uh, you mentioned a community. Um, a lot of people nowadays go to college for like the network or the community. Compare like your college experience with uh, the boot camp experience with Triple Ten. Ooh, whoa. I don't know if I've thought much about that. I feel like my boot camp experience had a lot more, this is what you're going to do for a job. So practice doing these things. College felt more ethereal, way more in the soft sciences. Like we're like I study psychology. So being in the soft sciences is a lot more of like, let's go and practice research skills. And yes, these are very applicable if you're going to go do research after college. But in terms of like, if you're going to go work in consulting, maybe these skills do translate in kind of a semi-direct way, but it felt more of, I mean, that's, I guess that's what college is for. It's like learning psychology, not necessarily like learning how to put psychology to work on a job. And so triple 10 was way more, here are the things you're going to do on a job. Like here's how you're going to talk to your boss on a job. Here's how you're going to like clone a repository for a company that you work for on a job. Like all these very direct skills that translated really well. Um, I think it was also nice to know that the people that I worked with, the community that I was with in triple 10, those people were going to go and do the same line of work. And so we all had, you know, we were brainstorming strategies of like, how are we going to apply for jobs? How are we going to talk to people? Once we start looking for jobs with people, we're all on the same path. So we're all like comparing notes. We're meeting with each other and like making sure we're holding each other accountable. Whereas, you know, in school, I was friends with somebody who was going to become a dirtbag climber. I was friends with somebody who was going to become a banker. I was friends with somebody who was like, going to be a doctor. It's like, we all had very different lines of work and very different, I guess, like passions and motivations. And so College is great and still have a lot of buddies that I still talk to. A lot of them also, like some of those dirtbag climbers have then like become software engineers too. So like, <laughs> shout out to them, you know? Yeah. College is great in a number of different ways, but then seeing people go from any sort of line of work from college and then come back and then go to a boot camp and get a job was just, I don't know, kind of like funny and inspiring at the same time. I don't know where you started your job, but the job market now, and it has been kind of horrendous uh, now. Can you like describe your approach to finding your job? Totally. Yeah. And yeah, big shout out to everybody looking for a job right now, because I know it's it's really tough right now. When I was looking for a job, I guess the fact that sticks my mind, I think I applied for something like 60 jobs, maybe more. But I remember I like from day one, I had like a big notion database set up that just had rows and rows and rows of anytime I came across an application that I liked or like a job prospect, or I would save that to a notion database. And then I had another similar notion database of just people that were interesting to me. Anytime I came across like a friend who is in the industry now or a LinkedIn post with somebody who said something that I liked, like I'd say them to a person database. And what I did was I spent my weeks applying to probably like 75% applying to jobs, like 25% networking, reaching out to these people. And applying to jobs looked like, you know, doing the, the blast easy, like apply via LinkedIn, crawling startups and being like, who's doing something cool in the field? And then like, what are their custom application processes? And then wherever I could, like writing a personalized cover letter or yeah, like reaching out to a CEO or reaching out to a, uh, a tech lead or a hiring manager, something like that, like always got me further in the interview process than just like a cold email via LinkedIn. So I did a lot of that. And with networking, 
the networking wasn't necessarily like finding a tech lead and then like putting on a suit and tie and like going to meet them for coffee and like paying for their coffee and then like validating their parking in it. Like it wasn't a big process. It was like very easy, low level marketing. It was like texting a buddy being like, Hey, how do you like your new job? Or texting a friend and being like, Hey, I know your partner works in this database company. Do you mind if I hop on the phone with them for a bit? And then I did have like a list of questions that I would ask people of like, you know, what do you like about what you do? Um, what did you used to do? How did that get you to where you are today? Do you have any advice for somebody kind of like starting up in the company? But it was always like just information gathering. It was never like, I didn't have like this big spider web plan of like what was going to come with networking, which I also feel like is kind of a misnomer about networking is there's no, it's not like 5D chess. It's like, you're really just picking people's <laughs> brains and like trying to see what other people like to do with their line yeah. of work. And again, it's just talking to people. It's like really like, I feel like it's, it can be a more approachable process if we talk about it differently. And a lot of networking was like texting friends. That was what I, what I had doing. So yeah, it was a lot of like, yeah, cold applications, but also very personalized cover letters, reaching out to CEOs if I could. And then playing the networking game of just like, talk to somebody. Do you have any advice of who I should talk to next? Talk to those people. Do you have any advice of who I should talk to next? And ultimately it was the, the more personalized application that did end up getting me a job. And it wasn't just that. I think it was because, yeah, it was, it was in a company that I was passionate about. I really love what we do at Zencare. I think Zencare is doing incredible work. And I thought that from day one, when I first, like, even if they didn't hire me, I would still say this because this is very aligned with what I was trying to do, which is like make therapy more approachable for everybody. From when you started like your outreach and really setting forward and finding a job, how long did it take you to land your first interview? Well, my first interview was probably about a month to actually get a job was probably about three months. Okay. Oh man, that's a quick, super quick time. Super quick. Okay. Yeah. I was expecting like six months. Nice. And do you, and it, do you, what do you attribute to that? Like, do you think it's a personalization or do you think it's like your will? <laughs> I think like luck and timing, honestly, it's like, I know, I know like Zencare was looking for a software engineer at that exact moment. And mm. if they weren't, if they like maybe three months down the line, if they'd started looking for somebody, it could have taken me three more months to find that. I definitely like bombed some interviews. <laughs> some were like, <laughs> they didn't even reach out to be like, you sucked. They just like, it was inherent in the code that I wrote for them that they didn't like my code. And I was like, all right, cool. Mm. Moving on. Yeah. Definitely had like a lot of speed bumps. Some applications just didn't even like no response, no denial. The, not only was the market better, but also like Zencare was looking for somebody and I just timed it right. Did location, like whether it be like remote or in office, did it matter to you? It did. Yeah. I was definitely leaning more remote at first and like lucked out. I've, I've been where I live for the past like five years or so, which is great. And I love it up here. Like I said, like I can still hike, still the great community up here. So that's great. I was looking for remote, but I do live like I live, you know, eight miles from a very small town. So it's like very rural up here. There's no tech opportunities in the town that I live in. So like it had to be remote or I was going to move. And the nearest cities that I live to are like Portland, Maine or Burlington. So I had in the back of my mind that if I needed to, I would move. But at the time, I was really hoping for remote and I'm glad it worked out. Okay. Was it important for you to like, continue working in like a field related to mental health, even though you were transitioning into a different industry? Definitely. Yeah. I think um, there are a number of different things that I looked for in the first job, but the two industries that I looked at that I wouldn't say I was like hard set on, but definitely I, I spent most of my time looking for was climate technology and mental health technology. I have experience in mental health technology. And so I felt like my story would help me get a job, but then also like I feel like my story would help me get a job because I'm passionate about those things. I actually think that those are important. I think that um, mental health and technology pair in a way that just augments both in a great way. And then also climate tech, because the climate change is a really pressing issue. And to kind of work for the good guys was an important prospect for me. And it was important to work in mental health and climate tech just to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm taking this big step to pivot from something like I'm, I'm deviating from this career that I kind of 
set myself up to do, but it's all connected for congruency of story. But then also, I guess for like, what is it like? I don't know, alignment of character to like be able to go to bed at night and feel like I'm playing for the good guys, you know? <laughs> Did your experience in the mental health industry, does it translate into your work now? I know you said like the whole premise of you joining Zincare is like the, they make healthcare more approachable to people. So does like your past work at the ranch and in the wilderness, does it translate sometimes into your work? Definitely does. And I would say less so working with a therapist that we, we uh, work with and less so working with the people who are coming to see therapy or coming to seek therapy via Zencare. It's more so team to team, person to person on the team. Like in wilderness, we talk a lot about how to receive feedback and I receive feedback on a pretty regular basis. I also give feedback on a pretty regular basis via code reviews or just direct feedback to somebody else on a call. We also talk a lot about like self-expression and self-identity via wilderness. And that is also a lot of what we work with just on teams in work, whether it's software engineering or otherwise. I do think kind of going more back to like the people seeking therapy via Zencare, it is nice to build something, like build a feature, whether it's like a favorites feature that you can now come to Zencare and like favorite your favorite provider. Or if a therapist is like going out of office and they want to like set up an out of office reminder so that if anybody reaches out to them, they're not just getting like totally ignored or ghosted by a therapist that can get direct feedback of like this person's out of office. So don't send any more messages. Mm-hmm. Building these features, it's nice to put myself back in the shoes of a therapy seeker and be like, oh, I like this. This actually works. This works for the goal that I'm trying to achieve of actually like finding a good therapist easily. So it's nice to, yeah, use those like soft skills, those mental health skills on a day-to-day basis, talk to people on the team, but then it's also like we empathize with our customers because this is what we care about. Are you doing this now because you're trying to like, I guess, scratch the itch of coding or are you, do you still love helping people or, or just really what motivates you now to do what you do? Yeah. Do, am I doing this to like scratch the itch of coding or like, do I see myself at some point pivoting back to wilderness work or something like that? I don't think so. I think like, I think I'm in this for the long haul. I really like this. I think the like booze in the ground therapy stuff, whether it be wilderness therapy or ranch therapy was like flying really close to the sun. Like it was really invigorating work. I was like, I felt like I like learned so much about myself, learned so much about like human beings, but I burnt out so quick. Like it was, I, I did two years of wilderness therapy and I was like, I need to, and then I spent the next six months in the woods alone. Like I, I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> I had, I had like a hard pivot. And so it's, I feel like the, the software engineering side of things is like, you know, I can wake up and I can keep my sweatpants on. I can like drink some coffee, have a nice chat with Will, go code for a bit go for a walk outside. It's like the pace of life is a little bit slower. It's a little less, you know, I'm kind of an introverted person. So it's like, I spend a lot more time with myself. Uh, the energy is like way more what I need it to be. So I feel like this matches up really well. So rather than being on the ground doing therapy, it's nice to build software that people on the ground doing therapy can then use to make, to make their jobs easier and better and, you know, provide better therapy. It's nice to be like the support staff of the people doing that. What motivates me today. Yeah. I still love hiking. I still like making music. I still, you know, uh, hanging out with friends. I still like to code in my free time. That's, that's a fun thing that I'm like still proud that I'm doing. Um, just making little apps like fitness, lifting, running stuff like that is really good. And one thing I love about this job that I have is I can work for two hours, go for a walk, work for another two hours, go lift, work for another two hours, go make dinner, work for another two hours, go to bed, something like that. It's like a very flexible lifestyle, which is good. Whereas when I was doing wilderness therapy, it was, I was in the woods for eight days and then I was out of the woods for six days. There was like, we had about 30 minutes of personal free time every day and I was back to the group stuff, which is again, great. Learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about people, but boy, was I tired. Imagine Jake pre 2020 living your life and then now your life now. Uh, what aspects of your life have changed the most for the good and bad? I feel like 
I'm way more rested. I feel like I, my body is like put together again. It's not like tired from hiking for work all the time, which is great. My income has probably about tripled, if not more, which is great. That's, I haven't felt money stress in a really long time. I am able to travel more to go see family outside of like during work hours, which is great. I'm able to travel more during work hours because of pay time off. My health insurance is better. I enjoy what I do. I feel like not only do I not have money stress, which is sort of like looking back, but I also have like so many opportunities because of the skills that I now have after learning how to code. I can I can work in mental health. I can work in climate tech. I can work in health insurance. I can work in oil. I can like, you know, anything. Picking health insurance and oil are two things that I don't really love. Climate <laughs> tech, health insurance, or healthcare are things that I do love. So it's, you know, both sides of the yeah. things. The opportunities are endless, which is great. And so I, I feel like my, my quality of life has improved. Yeah. I know you said that your past jobs obviously were physically strenuous on your body. Does mm-hmm. this new lifestyle bring new stresses? Totally. Yeah. I was just thinking about that as I was answering that last question of how has my life changed? I think it's working from home is great, but working from home also means that this is like the first job that I don't have built in friends from a job or mm-hmm. like built in housing from a job. So it's, I have to be a lot more intentional about like getting out of, I, I live in a, a valley, we call it Carter notch. I have to get out of the notch is the term that mm-hmm. we often throw around here. So it's, you know, I could spend five days up here coding with ever, never having leaving the notch. So the, the community is a lot more intentional, which don't get me wrong. There is community. But it's not from a job. It's from yeah. going out and meeting friends or like friends of friends and big events and stuff like that. So that, I guess, is different. You could call it a stressor, I think. And then there are definitely days where it's hard to get outside because work is just demanding. It's, you know, maybe I underestimate how long something is going to take me and it ends up taking me twice the amount of time that I, I think it's going to. And so I stay up late coding or I'm not able to go for this hike. You know, my leg hurts right now because I sit down for work and sitting aggravates my leg, which is wild to me. An injury from sitting <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of it. But that's, yeah. you know, I guess it's like two sides of a scale. It's like, you know, I just said my quality of life is way improved and like my leg hurts and I have to work to make friends. It's like, I'll take that any day, you know? <laughs> yeah. How, <laughs> I will too. How, how does your therapeutic background help you deal with like those stresses? Like a lot of people, um, they work remote now and they definitely don't get outside at all. <laughs> so, yeah. they're, so they're really depressed and lonely. And like, I guess what advice would you get to them to uh, help them deal with that? Um, yeah, definitely get outside. I think be patient too. That's tough advice to hear. So maybe they'll trust me else, which is, I think, try to take a step back and look at what's actually causing the stress. If it's like I just said that I underestimated how long something was going to take me. And so I ended up staying late. Like that's not my job forcing me to stay up late. That's not this new remote work forcing some unreasonable expectations on myself. Like I did that. That's fully me. And so I can recognize that and I can change in the future. I can change my estimations for how long something is going to take. I can also realize that if I'm working really late, I'm probably not well rested. Um, and so the next day when I'm like taking it out on somebody, that's just, I need to get more sleep or something like that. Like those are all very personal things, but just knowing that in it's, I think it's easy to like work in a remote setting and like be in one room in front of one screen and lash out of the world. And like, there's a lot of things that go into, I guess, causing those stressors and, and fixing those stressors. But yeah, I would say, Stay hydrated, stay active, go outside a lot, make sure that there's some sort of like outlet for activity. If you work at home and you're alone, like make sure you have some kind of community, eat good food. It's really easy just to snack all day, but make sure that you're like meal planning, cooking good meals on Sunday and then eating them throughout the week. You know, call your loved ones if you can, because you got that free time at home. PTO doesn't mean that someone's going to tell you when to take time off. Actually take that time off. Don't just work 365 days of the year. Get a comfortable chair. 
I would say. It's really easy for these office chairs to just be the worst. Don't code in your bedroom as much as possible. It's really easy to just sit in bed and code, but gosh, just having like one place, it's really hard sometimes. Somebody told me recently about a third place. Like it's, we have our, our workplace, our home place. Find a third place that you can go out, like whether it's a gym, whether it's a coffee shop, whether it's a library, whether it's a friend's house, just somewhere else to like totally move on from whatever's going on. Like me and my partner both work from home now. And we have to go out of the house now. We like have to go to the gym. We have to go, whether it's like grocery shopping or just like driving for a bit, just to like totally shake off the home and work stresses. Okay. I, I've, I've heard about the third places on Twitter. Re- oh, I guess on X recently. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with uh, like the LLMs, like chat GPT bar going crazy on the internet. I know you heard about it. And I, I don't think you were still in Tripleton while you were, while it was getting big maybe. But what's your advice for like the constantly changing technology He's like, oh, this job isn't going to be here in five years. So don't do it because of AI. Yeah. Oh, man. So much. First advice is use those tools because they're crazy. They're so good. I use them on a day-to-day basis. And like my work knows that I use them. They help me ideate on problems. You know, it's not just like write a function that can do this. And it's tell me what I need to know about structuring this database schema Tell me this advice is if you're a senior engineer talking to a very junior level engineer who is nervous about asking questions and then it will like just translate all those things and give me like great advice. I do that because it's great. The jobs are going to be here. I, you know, I'm no expert in the job market or like where AI is going, but I can't see my company letting the two main software engineers go because like ChatGPT exists. Like there's still somebody that needs to go into AWS and click all the right buttons and like write the code and work on the CICD that actually like ships the code and make sure it's getting to the right container somewhere. Like maybe one day these AI tools are going to do it. Like, again, I'm not an expert, but I think it's a while down the road. I think it's still worth it to learn code. I don't think my job's at stake at any point. I think I don't want to like resist the tools because the tools are so helpful for us. So I would, I would hope that other people like in hopes that they don't take their job aren't keeping them from using the tools themselves because they're really, really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't resist them and also don't fear them. <laughs> don't fear them. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good way to put it for sure. But yeah, I mean, I've, I have a question for you is like, I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't go through triple 10 when these tools are around because it's like kind of had to like, I had to read documents and I had to like go and do the things like how is learning how to code change? Like how is the pre, how is triple 10 changed since ChatGPT has come out? See, I, I graduated in February, so it, it was still fairly new. Um, but my fiance, she's actually in the software engineering cohort. So I can definitely say she left. <laughs> She leverages chat GPT and it, it does, it's good, but it does also, like you said, it hinders learning in some way, because like you said, you won't read his white papers and stuff like that. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's an easy way out sometimes, but then it makes learning easier. So I think it's a double-edged sword. Honestly. Totally. Um, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Has your sense of fulfillment changed over the past years uh, transitioning into this industry? I think I used to identify a lot with my job as my personality because I did worked a lot of jobs where I lived at work and my friends were coworkers and my lifestyle was what I do for work, like backpacking. I would do that for fun or living in the wilderness. I would like live with my friends because my friends were the people who when we were all on our days off, we would live in one big house together. What's changed recently is that I am a software engineer and I write software for work, but I'm so much more and able to just disconnect from work in a really nice way that I don't feel like I've been able to do. 
in a long time. So, you know, when I, when I say that I'm a hiker and when I say that I'm a runner, I'm not also doing those things for work. I don't feel like I'm just a hiker because I do those things for work. I do it because it's fun. What else though is like, that's not to say that like, I don't love my work and that I don't love who I am as a software engineer. Like we opening up an admin dashboard at Zencare and like seeing how many people use a feature that I built is so cool. Like seeing that the other day, I was like, I re, I, I rediscovered a feature that we built. It's a way that you can like delete messages that you've sent. And it's like such a hidden feature that you really have to work to find it. And I was like, I bet nobody uses this thing. We made it so hard to find. And I went in to see how many people use it and hundreds of people do it. Like hundreds of messages have been deleted. And that's really cool to see is like, it's, you know, maybe like because you deleted a message, you're not getting a better therapist, but like at least the software that I like, the code that I write is like touching lives and changing and like going out there in the world and like people are interacting with it, which is pretty cool. So do you, do you feel like it's more meaningful? Like when you see people, like, I guess using, using your specific parts of the application? Gosh, that's tough. (laughs) I feel like my work is more meaningful now. I guess because you could, you can, I guess the plain devil's advocate, you could affect more people with software than you can like being physically right yeah that's a battle i'm I'm battling right now it's like i feel like i could see directly when i worked in therapy of like this person is getting this help like if i can change one life for the better or if i can be there for somebody in a really hard moment that's great but yeah i feel like i ship one line of code that then like thousands of people are using maybe that's quantity over quality i don't know (laughs) it's a tough it's a tough question it's a tough question yeah Yeah. i guess I, i i will say that like I think that my capacity for changing lives is probably increased. I think if I can write good code that this is a personal project that I worked on, I worked on a voice activated like ChatGPT wrapper so that you could press a button on your phone, speak to ChatGPT, and then ChatGPT would speak back to you. And it had like a pre-prompt that it would act as like a really helpful phone assistant. Um, and what that was, in my mind, that was like, if somebody can't type, they can at least like speak to ChatGPT and they could still experience the same things. And I couldn't do that from wilderness therapy. I can like build something tailored to somebody who has a disability. But now with software, I can build something that people around the world can use to, to get a leg up in the world, to like still catch up with all these these cool technologies that we're all using. So that technology, that like personal project, I'm not saying that personal project is changing the world, but yeah. potentially I could work on a team that is building things that could change the world, whether that's, you know, some new AI model or just a website that like makes finding the coffee shop where all the cool people in your area are, that kind of thing. Yeah. What's some what's some advice for that you have for someone that's thinking about breaking into tech? I love, yeah, I love this question because I know a lot of people who are trying to do that right now. I think if you're trying to break into tech, I have advice for people kind of a few steps along the way. For somebody who is thinking about whether or not they should start learning to code or thinking about what is this whole bootcamp thing that they've heard of? I would say, give yourself a day, give yourself two days to go to something like Code Academy or go to something like Triple 10's intro course, go to any bootcamp, just try the intro course. If you have fun during the intro course, whether it's like making a tic-tac-toe game, whether it's like making a little business card for yourself, if that at all at some point is like, gets like butterflies in your tummy of like, this is really fun. Oh, I like what I'm doing. Like I could do this forever. Like, or if you lose track of time, if you're working on it for like three hours and you think that half an hour goes by, I think that's a strong indicator that you can do that for a living. Like just that one day, if you have fun doing it, if you lose track of time, coding at all, that's a good sign that this is a thing for you. For somebody who is coding and feels like ChatGPT is all over the place, like my job is going to be gone in a while. It's not, not going to be gone. Your job is still going to be there. There's still millions of people out there writing code. There's still going to be millions of people out there writing code in a year when you graduate, whenever you're trying to find jobs. For people who are trying to find a job right now and the job market sucks, the job market will get good again, probably pretty soon. Um, there will be jobs for you. And for somebody who's like put out sickly job applications, I would say like patience is a virtue. You're doing great. It's like everything you're supposed to be doing is doing these job applications. Like at some point it'll come to fruition. I think that it's, I think luck plays a big part in it. And I do think that we'll have that luck at some point. 
I like to think that right after this interview, Jake went out for a hike because he now has a career that allows him to do that. One that's remote, but fulfilling, challenging, but exciting, evolving, but always rooted in his personal values. This podcast was brought to you by Lebo Lebo Studio in partnership with Triple Ten. New episodes are coming out every Thursday. Stay tuned for next week's story and visit tripleton.com slash blog for more career tips.